listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Welcome to episode 73, The Book Reads You. That's right, and uh, it's a line uttered by the, actually, protagonist of a new film that just came out today, actually, recording this on Friday, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And we'll let you know what we thought about it later on in the show. That's right. Uh, as always, we do have to start off by giving a quick shout out to Sports Radio Detroit, our gracious host network. And you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you just search up SRD Sports Radio Detroit, that's SRD Sports Radio Detroit, not Detroit Sports Radio. Exactly. Get it right, guys, and go check them and all of the other awesome podcasts out. And we are just going to take a very brief sponsored break before moving on with the rest of the show so stick around here at grave discussions we know that addiction can be scary but it doesn't have to be let the detox helpline help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol call the addiction specialist now at the detox and treatment helpline 24 hours a day seven days a week they're always available for you and if you have private insurance they specialize in finding you the right treatment give them a call at 1-800-213- 9257. That is 800-213-9257. All right, Sam. So since our last episode, there has been a lot going on. And uh, one thing we didn't quite expand on was that today is going to be kind of a special episode focusing really on horror anthologies. You know, Scary Stories, the original series uh, of books was a collection of short stories. So that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today some anthology news uh on this episode but the first is actually pretty interesting adam wingard director of your next is going to be directing an event horizon series for amazon i don't know how i feel about this i mean i've heard that the movie is like you know one of the goats in horror circles mm-hmm. uh i still haven't seen it but i heard it was like one of the best and uh i don't know how i feel about them doing this i don't know it seems like you know how before paranormal movies were the trend mm-hmm. and then it was like torture porn now it's like remakes and reboots yeah it's it really is and this is not one that i kind of expected but it's set in space it's kind of like uh i don't even know how to describe it it's it's kind of body horror kind of psychological it's it's really sort of disturbing stuff uh that happens just on this spaceship to this crew and i i guess i could see how they would maybe do a series out of it if it's a a more expansive type of thing because there's no way they can fit something similar to the actual film you know in a whole series i mean that would just be way too dragged out so uh, i'm sort of excited about it i do really like the movie but i'd really have to see kind of what the plot is and how it actually relates 
to the original film, you know? I'm probably going to watch it soon, just so when the show comes out, I can understand what the fuck is going on. You should. It's just a great, like, horror, you know, sci-fi horror movie, too, so I, I always kind of recommend it when people ask. But Adam Wingard directing is cool, too. I did like You Are Next. Not everybody did, but I enjoyed it. I think that he's uh, pretty talented. Him tackling a sci-fi horror is going to be interesting, since You Are Next was really kind of more rooted in reality you know yeah. but i think he uh, did a a good job he succeeded so there's that but uh moving on the first of our anthology related news and a uh, returning star uh known for his portrayal of Candyman, tony todd is going to be starring in an upcoming horror anthology called realm of shadows and he's going to be this like man of god who like tries to help his friend with like split personality disorder or something Mm-hmm. And stop him from, like, being overcome by Satan and, you know, all that religious stuff. Yeah, so it, it's interesting because there's, like, that story that's described. And then there's something else to uh, some guy or girl, I don't know, it doesn't really uh, explain it, but called Master Macon. And uh, it's the owner of a haunted vault near a cemetery and also the narrator so um it's kind of cool there's like a, a narrator i'm just curious to see how like the anthology format's going to fit into this because it gives like a, a real plot line to a movie you know with uh, tony todd's character and everything so we'll see yeah i don't know how they're going to tie it together southbound did really good at tying all the stories together Self- and trick or treat those are like two of my like favorite now anthologies yeah i, I still have to see southbound but trick or treat was great we'll see about this one there's no date yet as far as like a release but uh there's a poster i will say not a big fan of the poster honestly uh yeah no makes it seem like kind of low budget but yeah we'll we'll, uh hear more about that one we'll let you guys know the last bit of uh, official news here is netflix announcing an upcoming horror anthology called ghost stories (laughs) yeah it's made by an indian dude that did uh something else called lust stories and apparently this is supposed to like tie in with that somehow Mm. yeah i don't know my whole thing was that there already is an anthology called ghost stories which we actually covered so the one with when the dude runs over the devil accidentally (laughs) yeah with uh he's been dead the whole time so it's like the same kind of ball busting experience as like the abandoned or whatever or like or or like you know dead end like oh mm. they were dead the whole time or they were in a coma like dude we've seen that movie yeah the, and fucking the lot. very the first one was jacob's ladder that was like that mm. yeah i mean we'll see i I liked that movie this one i don't know why it's called the exact same thing i feel like that's kind of weird um but eh, i don't know uh, like the bali i don't know if there's gonna be like a bollywood thing but if it's anything like the other Indian movies that we have on Netflix, I'm not that interested. Not just because they're like Indian movies, but they just seem very, they're like very cheesy. And they're not like really passionate about the movies. It seems like they're just trying to like fit in with the horror fad. Like, and the acting's like really bad in them. Mm -hmm. I've tried to watch a few of them. I've actually watched a few of them. I forgot the name of one, but it had an insane name. (laughs) I'm sure that, yeah, some of them look okay, but uh, you know, that's when they really try to be serious about it. Like those I can, i can give them a chance you know but oh yeah but the plots are usually weak and like mm. the acting is bad so yeah even then they're still like kind of over the top sometimes too I think, yeah they so. are 
and they have like i don't know if you notice this from watching indian horror like mm-hmm. they use heavy cgi yo. oh yeah it's it's kind of obnoxious how yeah how much but i feel you <laughs> still be on the lookout for that one if you guys are interested in it it's another horror anthology we don't really know much more info yet but eh, if you're into anthologies might be uh, worth checking out now we've got a few trailers lined up we'll go over those uh pretty quickly here and then we'll move on with the rest of the show but the first trailer actually looks pretty cool it's for a movie called the furies at first i thought it was the furries and i thought it was about to be some people dressed up like cats walking around stabbing people and then dressing them up as like alligators and then fucking them but it's not (laughs) if the new cats was a horror movie exactly so it's gonna be about like so like eight women are kidnapped and they're like sent to the jungle and they got like cameras in their eyes or something And they got eight men who are the killers trying to kill them all. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you know what? It, it still looks kind of cool, kind of unique. Um, there are eight different costumed killers, which all seem pretty unique to me. But at the same time, they've all got that like uh, backwoods hillbilly kind of overall aesthetic. So I don't know how I feel about that exactly, but I seem all right. I felt like uh, from the trailer, at least, it looked a bit shaky, too. Yeah. It looked, it looked like a grindhouse type of cinematography, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it seems like it's going to have a lot of, you know, moving kind of action shots, which I'm fine with in movies like this. I mean, slasher movies have a good mix of those and suspenseful scenes, you know, where they actually, like, initiate the tension and, and build it and where, you know, everything's dark and they're stalking them or whatever. This one may feel a little bit too chaotic to do that. So if it's going to go like all out, it really has to go like all out, you know, from the reviews, it said it's like a gore fest. So, yeah. So I I think if it does that, uh, it has a chance of success because if you have like this plot and you don't commit to it, then it's just going to be stupid. Like it's going to be too dysfunctional and it's just not going to flow well. You know what I mean? I agree. So be on the lookout for that one, guys. I am still excited for it. It looks like it, it might be successful in that aspect it's coming out november 7th in australia so when we have a u.s date we'll uh let you know of course dude i'm more excited for the second movie oh gary oldman's making a comeback i've uh, actually had people that i have on my friends list like sharing stuff about this movie and i think i think some michigan uh talent worked on this film possibly so it's it's possible but yeah, yeah this one is called mary it's releasing October 11th in theaters and on digital and VOD. And yeah, it's got Gary Oldman in kind of a classic haunted house story, but... It's a boat. It's on a boat. In the middle of the sea. Yeah. So, you know, we've had boat horror movies before, but it's always something kind of unique. It's kind of a smaller boat, too, so it seems like it's going to be kind of claustrophobic. Yeah, and they're being haunted by Scary Mary or some shit like that. I don't fucking remember. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there's going to be a whole fucking story, you know. Kind of like we had in our (laughs) main focus today, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on, of course. But yeah, Mary kind of promises this classic ghost story, but in a unique setting. So I'm always kind of interested in those. Usually it's the big gothic house, you know, and those can get kind of stale sometimes if there's nothing interesting particularly about them. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do, do you think it's going to be successful? I don't think it's going to be received well. I mean, sure, Gary Oldman's in it, but you know people nowadays are going to be like, oh, who's that? No, 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 no. Like, besides, like, the old heads, you know? 
Yeah. But I mean, it's Academy Award winner Gary Oldman. I'm actually kind of surprised to see him in a movie like this. No, yeah. But I mean, he's fucking Dracula. Yeah, exactly. The production value does not seem like terrible here, but it also doesn't seem like the level at which Gary Oldman actually is. Yeah. You know, to me at least. But hey, I'm, I'm glad he's in it. He's probably going to be the best part of this movie. Most likely. But uh, I am kind of excited to see I, it. I just hope the movie doesn't suck. I mean... Mm-hmm. The four actors, you know, accept the role. They read through the script, and he liked it, so I'm going to trust him. Oh, yeah, I trust his uh, artistic judgment as well. That and The Lighthouse, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one, too. Um, Are you excited about this next one, though? I honestly am. Okay, so uh, why don't you tell us about this next one? So, uh, according to ancient whatever the fuck, (laughs) the the jack-in-the-box was an evil spirit that was trapped in... Guess what? A box. No Jack in the box yep. specifically. Yeah, and uh, now the Jack comes out of the box, and he's a clown. He's an evil clown. It's like it meets Terrifier. That's what it looked like. It seems like one of those early two thousands movies. You know what I mean? It has that type yeah. of like premise. Mm, it's definitely a little bit lower budget too, so I think that contributes to it. Uh, but it does one fatal thing, and it gives away its best element, like in broad day in the trailer. You know, it's kind of cool seeing the Jack in the Box creature like we do, but at the same time, it kind of ruins the suspense and the surprise to me, at least. Like, imagine if you saw the entire clown creature from Clown just like right there in the trailer, and it's like all over the trailer. Yeah, it kinda, yeah, you kind of like lose interest in it a little bit. So, um, other than that, though, it, it looks okay. Like that definitely seems like the best part of this movie. The acting, yeah seems whatever the cinematography seems really whatever but uh i still kind of want to see it just just to sort of see where they go with the creature i think it's gonna be like i said early 2000s type horror yeah that's probably a fair (laughs) fair notion yeah so um we'll see about that one guys unfortunately it does not have a release date listed yet but of course we will let you guys know once it does now we're going to move on from the news hit us up about anything we've discussed so far and uh, you know we'd love to talk about it with you guys but uh, we are going to move on to uh, one of our favorite segments where we discuss a classic horror film and uh, this one's going to be related it is an anthology and we're going to be talking about it in the cult corner And on this week's Cult Corner Fiends, we've got uh, a pretty a pretty classic horror anthology, I must say. One of the oldest, besides like Dead of Night. Yeah, there was there was that, that was the black and white one. And yeah, I don't really know if there were any before that. We'd have to do our research there, unfortunately. But uh Trilogy of Terror came out in nineteen seventy five, and yeah, I mean, this really kind of set the bar. I think that it's definitely a cult classic because of its influence but uh it did one unique thing as well because trilogy of terror stars none other than karen black karen black yeah and karen black yep (laughs) in three separate stories which is cool actually for some reason didn't know that until i just watched it for the first time recently but um i think it's pretty cool i mean do, do you think that sort of lended to its status uh i i think she was like a a giant part of it you know she's like she's an og i mean she was in 
uh, Burnt Offering. She mm-hmm. was in this. And she was in a wide array of movies and even in House of a Thousand Corpses for whatever reason. And yeah. She let herself go. I'll tell you that much. All that plastic surgery made her look like a fish that lost a fight. I mean, that was, I suppose that was probably the purpose for that film. But yeah, it's it's kind of shocking to see the transition. But, you know, here in 1975, I mean, she was a starlet. Absolutely. That's, you know, without a doubt. Um, she's still a pretty popular actress, but she's it's it's certainly a, a disconnect for sure. But I thought she did a great job. She, the character she portrayed to me all felt sort of similar. I don't know if it's so just I because... I think the, the first two, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because of like the 70s clothing style or the way she wore her hair or something. But even just in like how the character spoke, I could definitely feel some similarities. You know, it was, it was often that uh, sort of mid to, to high class sort of, you know, 70s woman who's dealing with some interesting things. In the first two stories... Um, it's actually kind of closer to reality. The third story really kind of amplifies the whole like supernatural factor of this movie, but it's not actually quite as, I don't know, like dark or twisted or whatever as I thought it was going to be. But what, what was your uh, favorite part about this movie? And do you think that, you know, having her play all these uh, characters in different stories actually worked? I think it worked. And I think the... The Zuni doll was probably my favorite segment mm-hmm. because, like, the first two weren't really horror. You know what I mean? I, I would classify that as more of, like, a thriller. Yeah. Or, the, like, drama. The The first one, uh, I don't know. I, I was okay with the first one. It was an interesting twist, but I almost wish that the twist was, I don't know, just better. Supernatural, at least. Yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of, like, sometimes a cheap way to make something more interesting but you know what it fucking is i mean this is true yeah you know at least for a lot of people like me it makes stuff more interesting absolutely you know because it's not something that we just see every day in real life where we just walk around and sit down with our friends or you know do whatever you know so this one sort of did it except i don't know initially I thought that it was something supernatural because maybe she was like immortal or something or doing I thought this she forever. was like a witch. Yeah, but at the same time, it didn't really give us a good indication of that. It kind of just seemed like she had been doing this for a while, but as a human being and just moving around from town to town or something, just that she was like a serial killer or she was crazy or something, you know? Yeah, I just think it wasn't like climactic enough. Sure, the twist was nice, but like at the end when it was just a reveal and that was the end of this this Mm. segment yeah if same thing with the second one it didn't feel punchy it just felt kind of abrupt yeah i guess you know the second one too i mean this movie like if you look at all the memorabilia and the collectibles and like the the fan art for this movie Mm -hmm. it's all centered around that zuni doll yeah i think it shouldn't have been an anthology no offense i think it should have just been a whole movie centered around that zuni doll and other shit should have started happening. Like her first night, she has the Zuni doll. She's going to sleep. She's waking up with cuts on her arm. Mm-hmm. Stuff's being moved around. You know, stuff like that, like subtle stuff. And actually introduce like the mom and stuff into it, maybe too. Yeah, you know. And then at the end of the m- movie, instead of the segment, her just waiting behind the door, which was cool. Which was yeah. Th- I mean, that was the part I was like really kind of waiting for. If you look close, when she's like moving her lips, you can actually see like 
the top of the fangs mm-hmm. though, like and that they're fake <laughs> yeah but you know it's fine it's still kind they of like creepy a sh- as shit though yeah it's shocking absolutely so it was cool and you know if, if you didn't know about it you certainly weren't expecting it oh no you know but actually fun fact she apparently was the one to suggest doing that the, the whole so, ending part yeah it's it's so that's pretty cool and she actually rewrote a lot of like she's her dialogue awesome. too yeah no she's great i mean she's super talented she's amazing at what she does and you know for like a low budget kind of horror anthology i thought she really had good input for it and made the movie a lot better for it you know so that segment was definitely cool and i actually want to go a little bit ahead and uh, quote Guillermo del Toro here because as we know scary stories to tell in the dark doesn't exactly follow that standard anthology kind of structure no it's more like uh <laughs> the quote-unquote art coming to life yeah and and we'll talk more about that of course pretty soon here but he kind of said uh that they didn't really want to do it in a standard anthology f- format because typically people remember an anthology mostly by its weakest entry and i would say that's not quite true with trilogy of terror here because like we've been saying you know the the zuni doll uh, segment was definitely the one thing about this movie that most people like and remember that shit was wild it reminded me of uh donnie from the wild thornberries remember him (laughs) yeah sort of faintly but yes (laughs) the noises were great yeah that was hilarious I, I can't even reproduce it, but th- those were awesome. Just like the action was very cool. And the fact that, you know, she was kind of home alone and couldn't really escape because this little thing was coming after her with yeah. a spear. <laughs> I mean, that was really cool, you know, and I mean, it was actually kind of suspenseful too. It was, but like the whole ridiculousness of it is what made it like yeah. gave it this cult status, you know? Yeah. Especially because the first two movies, while they have some semblance of humor in them, aren't really actually that funny or anything no or or even reach that goofy level but the zuni doll one did reach the goofy level and this was uh the first movie with like 80s style fucking just shit going on you know what i mean just the wackiness yeah i can i can see that because uh we had then we had stuff like puppet master and everything too yeah you know so <laughs> it's definitely influential i mean most people remember it for that segment it is my favorite segment the first two were okay but I just feel like they weren't quite imaginative enough. And like you said, they ended abrupt. Mm-hmm. And like like I said, they're not they're not horror, okay? Yeah. Plus, I mean, the second uh, segment, Millicent and Therese, I called it pretty early on that okay, they were probably the same person. Yeah. And then it didn't really do too much more with that, you know. Yeah. It was it was a little bit predictable, and then the ending was just meh, in my opinion. Would have been cool if it was like that Tales from the Crypt thing. Like, they're not twins, mm-hmm. you know, but, like, on the front side, it's one, and oh. on the back side, it's the other. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that it was separate I was, too. And that they just thought of something cool but this uh, is to prob- end it with. This but. is probably the first movie that did that. Mm, yeah. We'd have to look, but, I mean, I wouldn't be It'll surprised. Be to find. <laughs> so, I mean, if it if it is, then for that reason alone, it's, you know, it, it's something at least, but it, it wasn't that great of a segment to me i actually kind of like the first one a little bit more even though it was very misogynistic but i mean that was the kind of the point of it so the last one really just felt like an actual horror thing and honestly in that short story format i thought it was pretty perfect you know we got a good twist ending sort of and it was just enjoyable 
I agree completely. And, you know, it's rightfully a cult movie. Yeah. So that movie has that typical anthology structure where it's like stories. And this next one, also based on stories, but takes a little bit of a different route. We're going to be talking about it in our main segment. But first, we just have a few sponsored messages. So stick around. Because I feel like a salad tossing might feel good. What? (laughs) (laughs) Out of Bounds Detroit Podcast. Tuesday morning and Friday mornings here on SportsRoadDetroit.com. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Barnabas. What's up? Oh, not much. Have you ever written a book? No, but I've written a musical. Oh, well, you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Aha, I hear countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly 100 years to bring their books to the market. Their professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, their authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books. So, make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Do not wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author. And seeing your name in print. Uh Uh-huh. You've already written a book. Next thing to do is make this free call now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. The number is 1-800-213-9259. Again, 1-800-213-9259. All right, Sam. So we have been alluding to it all episode long so far. Scary stories to tell in the dark. A nostalgic trip back to uh, the books that fucking freaked the shit out of us when we were younger at least most of us you know growing up in like the 90s when they were really popular uh i certainly read them i don't think i read all of them but i read one and it's when they used to have those book fairs at school yeah where you just walk into the library and you could have a free book those are the best like i i normally grabbed rl stein over the scary stories i had one scary stories book mm-hmm. i don't remember which one it was because i don't even remember reading it most of the time I was grabbing Goosebumps and R.L. Stein and mm-hmm. I was like, can I have the pop-up book? They're like, no, this belongs to the library. I was like, yo, fuck you. And that was like, <laughs> that was that. Yeah, I, I preferred Goosebumps too. I think because Goosebumps actually was targeted more toward kids even younger than the ones who would read scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, yeah. You know, first of all, those images were extremely shocking to our impressionable young minds. Oh, yeah. And uh, definitely created a new generation of horror fans or helped at least. Uh, in my opinion, because, you know, people that are our age right now probably have read those books and Goosebumps. And uh, Goosebumps will kind of play into this discussion briefly here, but um, like it, you know, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the film kind of forgoes the standard anthology structure and instead has one kind of overarching story in which all of the other stories kind of exist. Yeah. So, very interesting. This one, of course, produced by Guillermo del Toro. So, you have to expect that sort of fantasy almost, that, uh, you know, imagination aspect. Yeah, of that them, adventurous fantasy-like type mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And, and this one definitely had those elements, but, you know, first impressions, what do you think about its approach? And do you think it pulled it off? I think they were definitely targeting a younger audience. Mm-hmm. They weren't targeting the people that used to read the books when they were kids. Because like we're like 40 now, basically. 
But uh, feel it. <laughs> as a kids movie, it was good. Okay. Aesthetically, it would be scary to younger kids. Cinematography was like pretty good too. I was I wasn't surprised, but uh, I felt like the dialogue mm-hmm. was like too like simple. I don't know. It was like I mean, you, they're kids, you know. You don't want them to talk like fucking well, yeah. Lord of the Rings characters. Like right. there was, they said a lot of cliche stuff and like, yeah, it kind of ended. <laughs> spoiler alert: unresolved for the most part. Yeah, and uh, I felt like its weak points were like the. The dialogue, honestly, mm, like the, that the was script, really. Yeah, the script was just lazy. I felt. Mm. I mean, I kind of don't blame them because you the know they were games. they were targeting, uh, you know, well tweens. I guess that is that the official term. I don't, I don't fucking I don't know. know PG thirteen. <laughs> that's a teenager. Yeah, tweens are like 12, 11. 17 or under at least. I would say in the twelve to seventeen kind of age range is, is was their target audience, but still. I don't know if that gives you an excuse to write dialogue like that because in my opinion at least despite the good acting despite the the great production design and and the monsters and all of that the dialogue still kind of took me out of it just because I I couldn't imagine actual people saying that stuff no you know like I could tell that they were acting even though they were trying not to because of it so that that would be really kind of the main thing for me. Uh, honestly, I do think if they approached it in more of a trick or treat style way, it would have been cool. It probably would have been a little bit better, just because even but, even but for a teen movie, like I'd want a linear story though. Yeah, trick or treat was all over the place, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you put everything in the proper order, then yeah, it would kind of have. Uh, a linear story more or less but even then like it, it follows multiple groups of people so yeah I, I guess not i think i think the idea that they had for the linear story here was was decent it just felt like it lacked a little bit i'm not quite sure what yeah i don't know why i, th- I think, I think did, it was just a script yeah i think they were just kind of disrespecting their their audience with that script you know i mean it, it is for kids so they're not good like i said yeah. They're not going to talk like fucking Gandalf. But there are still things that are targeted for kids, in my opinion, that hit the mark a little bit better. Even something like the Goonies, you know, for that time. I mean, sure, it was set around that time. This one was actually set in like 1968. But, you know, it, it's not hard to like watch movies of that era and kind of figure out how people might talk. Some of the characters were OK. The, the kid Chuck. Actually, I thought he was great. His dialogue mostly was was pretty good. Chuck you know? was good. Uh, Stella was good. Mm-hmm. August was the nerd, and he did perfectly. But yeah. these kids seemed way too modern. Yeah, I agree. like I I didn't even realize it was set in 1968. Yeah, I think it's really just because of their appearance. Like it's hard yeah. to to hide it. But yeah, just the way that they like carried themselves and the way they spoke, it definitely made me think. Oh, 2019 instead of 1968 the only thing is just that they didn't have iphones and <laughs> all other shit you kind of tell it was old because every fucking jock was wearing a letterman jacket oh yeah and no one does that no <laughs> i mean not really maybe maybe in like the suburbs or something like that but i don't know but this was kind of that sleepy small town i guess it makes sense you know the football team is probably popular there it, it's very similar in that nature to a lot of other movies. And that was kind of one of our other gripes is just that through the dialogue, through stuff like that, I know it was meant to be 
kind of typical, but it's it felt a little bit too like stereotypical at times. I think it did too. It the only like uh the pitchfork part though that was not PG thirteen. No, that wasn't. I mean, there were a few uh, scenes that were not quite for a child's eyes, you know. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know. I, I guess overall, yeah, kind of kiddish. But then we get into the parts that were. I would say a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more mature, the actual monsters themselves. So I guess we can talk about how they were included in the overall film, but uh, what did you, did, do you think that the monsters were good? Uh, the scarecrow was dope. The fat bitch was scary. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the big toe one was okay. Mm. That one had the most like suspense, I would say. And then mm. the, the, with the who man what was his name the jangly man the jangly man yeah i don't know what the fuck he was saying but <laughs> he was like i don't know he was like so cgi though mm-hmm. yeah the end with the jangly man because the jangly man is actually a, a new thing to the film uh it was not featured in the stories although it's kind of an amalgamation of a few different stories there was like that my what is it my my Tai Doty Walker or something like that. I don't remember the exact title, but it was a combination of that and like a couple other stories. And it was an original monster, which was cool, but I really kind of wish that it was mostly just uh, Troy James as the jangly man and not so much CGI. Yeah, so I agree with that. But the rest were pretty cool. Actually, I was kind of disappointed mostly in the big toe one just because... It was probably one of the shortest segments or shortest like stories in the movie. And I just wanted it to be a little bit better. I didn't mind that they didn't show it too much, but I was expecting more out of that one. My favorite one probably was uh, the pale lady, actually. I yeah. won't say what happened, obviously. But yeah, I like the way that they approached that one. It actually kind of gave me anxiety a little bit uh, just because, I don't know, if I imagined myself in that particular scenario, I'd be pretty terrified. And there was no getting away from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one was pretty cool. The rest were also pretty cool. The Herald segment was good. And then, you know, that mostly covers the stories that were kind of included in this film. So not a ton, and they were mostly fairly short, but still featured kind of more stories than your typical anthology movie. So, I mean, it kind of gave us what we wanted, but uh, do, do you have any, like, particular stories from the books that you wanted to see in this movie that were left out? Uh, not really. I, I like the fat bitch. I like the, uh, I like the scarecrow. The scarecrow was honestly the one I was most excited about. Cause like mm-hmm. when we even bring up scarecrow movies, you hear me, I, I complain about not having enough scarecrows in horror. And mm-hmm. last time we really saw like the epitome of a scarecrow was like Jeepers Creepers, even though he wasn't a scarecrow, he kind of was, you know, like that's what, where he got his inspiration yeah. was from, you know, actual scarecrows but you know the whole like victor salva being a pedophile and oh, that yeah. coming to light that kind of killed it and i guess people are like, all right we want nothing to do with scarecrows or anything that reminds people of scarecrows there's still people doing scarecrow movies like there's a bunch of free movies on prime but like mm-hmm. it's all like heavy cgi bullshit and i don't want to watch that yeah i feel you i i don't really like a lot of them that come out either like scarecrows which we have covered in the show before one. That one was really good, but I think they did a good job with Harold. You know, the practical effects for the monsters overall in this movie was great. I think so. And I think it was largely in part to Del Toro kind of overseeing things as a producer, but I thought that was awesome. Harold was actually 
probably my favorite um, use of practical effects in this movie, so I do commend them for that. Overall, a good segment, but, I mean, do you think that the, the, you know, separate stories kind of mixed together with the main story well, or not really? I think it did, because it showed, like, you know, the... You should know what this movie's about by now. Mm -hmm. The angry spirit, like, exacting her revenge in her way, even though, like, you know, kids had nothing to do with it, but, you know as they're being written they're coming to life so yeah like i thought that was cool i thought that was done perfectly and you know it was kind of like it like targeting the kids based on their fears you know Mm -hmm. except it was just a demon and not a alien spider who has an arch enemy who's a giant turtle yeah i know i mean despite all that cosmic shit you know (laughs) it still felt like it was more impactful to me maybe because it was a more mature darker film definitely an r-rated type of story as opposed to this one but yeah this one didn't have that punch for me even a lot of the stories didn't really feel like they had a ton of impact uh the the red spot too i won't say what happens obviously but that one i was expecting a little bit more you know with the spiders and everything but that's all i'll say about that but yeah it kind of went together i don't know i i still think if there was just more of just an importance given to each of the stories it may have been a little bit better a little bit more memorable and i felt like the stories like flew by a lot while they were happening because they were they were pretty short in comparison to all the other shit it was just like scenes of exposition story scene of exposition story yeah you know and the stories were a little bit shorter than all the scenes of exposition so the pacing uh, occasion. I mean, it was spaced out okay, but it's the pacing sta- overall felt weird. It started off slow, then it took off, then another like slow pace for a minute, mm. then again took off, then slow paced exposition, exposition, slow burn, yeah. and then it just took off like crazy at the jail. Yeah. So police station, whatever the fuck. I, I couldn't even like determine really how long the the movie was. It felt like it was like a two hour movie, honestly. Yeah. So maybe how long was a little it? shorter. Um, I'd have to check exactly, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like an hour, 45 minutes or two hours, something like that. So yeah, actually looking up here, an hour and 47 minutes. So honestly, I think could have been a little bit shorter. One thing that it did do for me though, was cement itself as just a good like Halloween time movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like if if you're going to watch this movie, wait till it comes out probably in October mm. on Blu-ray. If you're in the Halloween spirit, watch this movie because, you know, childhood flashbacks. You're with your friends, throwing eggs at shit, Halloween. Yeah. That's that's all. The, that was all the appeal for me, honestly, and the, the actual creatures, but like the dialogue and it was aesthetically a good movie. But like, like we said, the script was like for like fifth graders. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like if I was at least, damn, I don't know, nine or ten years younger, I would love this, especially if it was kind of one of my introductory films to horror, because it definitely feels like that. This is one of those, it may, it's maybe a little bit more shocking, but not much. If it feels like, you know, if you're a teen and you're kind of starting to get into the genre, like this is a great movie to get you into the genre. I, I'd have to agree, because like at that age, like, if you're not like us, if you're like a normal teenager and you mm-hmm. haven't been exposed to horror that much, I think there's a good place to start. It has like the creatures and the jump scares and the atmosphere at times. And mm-hmm. 
And uh, really, if you're not a huge fan of horror movies and you're starting off with this one, like you get to like see some cliches. Like, guy is running and then he trips over pitchfork. Yeah, the the cliches were a, a bit unnecessary. I mean, I would think that they were at least sort of intentional at times, just because this does feel so. kind of like a love letter to horror movies in general and and, and horror anthologies. I, I mean, suppose. think about it. The first uh, story with Harold, like. Oh, he's walking. I'm running, mm-hmm. and it still catches up. Like, yeah, because you trip. Like, yeah, but uh, despite all that, still uh, is able to kind of perform the function of you know the anthology style thing pretty well, where the stories actually have some kind of moral to them or message or whatever, or they're like ironic karma sort of sort of messages, you know. But um, that that's just kind of the basis of these these short anthology films they're they're meant to do that in order to make their point so i think that was okay one thing that we won't expand upon but that is interesting and i want to hear from you guys what you thought about it was another guillermo del toro influence in my opinion the whole war angle yeah you guys will see what i mean that was interesting and i think that there is some relation of that to the actual plot here but i think that's something that have to discuss with you guys in more detail as it would be really kind of a spoiler but think about it 1968 there's stuff with the vietnam war going on and that's all i pretty much say about that so um do you have anything more you want to say about scary stories i I will say overall i did kind of like it i liked the vibe it was bringing i think some of the execution especially with the script could have been better but i see a lot of uh good things about this film 6.8 out of 10 yeah, I think that's fair. Six, six to seven, I think is a, is a good number. So that's all we have to say about scary stories, guys. Definitely had high expectations for this one. I don't know if it quite met them, but still no, worth it, checking out. It didn't for me, and it's fucked up because I was looking forward to this one just as much as It Chapter Two. So mm-hmm. hopefully, It Chapter Two isn't a letdown. It's three hours fucking long, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that one's going to feel... Uh, hopefully it flies by. I think that's going to be one of the defining factors of that movie. This one kind of weak in that aspect. But let us know what you guys think about it. We are going to move on to our final segment here where we examine a new horror film, two streaming services. This one's on Hulu. We're going to talk about it on The Chopping Block. <coughs> Welcome back, creeps. And on this week's Chopping Block, we have... Uh, as I mentioned before, a new movie to Hulu, and this one is also a horror anthology. It's called The Field Guide to Evil, and the whole thing with this one is that it's supposed to have uh, stories based from folklore and tall tales and whatnot from all over the globe, which is a pretty interesting concept. Uh, Did it pan out, though? Give us your thoughts. So let me start off by saying they should have went the, like, traditionalist route, for these horror anthologies but instead and i know you're gonna agree with this every segment was experimental horror every segment yeah i would would say it kind of fell more into uh the sort of like folk horror style it was super like avant-garde you know what i mean like hagazusa yeah ish i mean the, the first segment definitely because it thematically was similar but dude it seemed the rest yeah too. the first one i thought it was gonna be hagazusa just like reiterated you know what i mean yeah there's been a lot of those st- uh, types of movies coming out recently too with the popularity of the witch i was so. gonna say yeah the witch started this shit mm-hmm. yeah it, it gave me that vibe for sure i i 
enjoyed the first segment okay enough but you know we're not going to go like in depth on every segment or anything we're just going to kind of give our overall sort of thoughts but yes uh definitely a lot more like slow burn i wouldn't say like psychological horror all that much it just had that kind of more i don't know what what's the word for it like deliberate kind of style to it yeah all of them had the booming bass in the background for Mm -hmm. a score and like all of them were like really slow paced besides like the greek one where they ate the goblins or whatever the fuck yeah that one was uh very strange i mean there were a few different ones the the melon heads one yeah that one was fucking stupid I, i didn't like it but yeah a little bit different i suppose it was just it was odd for the sake of being odd i think so and that that you know myth does exist but that wasn't really kind of what i was envisioning and i don't know if that was the intent i don't think it worked out unfortunately in my opinion probably the weakest segment here and you know maybe del toro was right because that one we kind of do remember because of how fucking stupid it was but i think it's also due to the fact that a lot of the other ones were tonally kind of similar and some of them stood out well enough like the goblin one but in general they kind of had that experimental feel to them and um i don't even know if they really had morals to a lot of them yeah the first one was like don't be gay or whatever like which was fucking weird (laughs) it was it was religious yeah oh yeah and like turned out her mom was the monster or whatever the fuck i don't give a fuck i'll give spoilers (laughs) okay well i don't want to give too many spoilers away um i'm not going to give my uh, answer to this just yet but uh there were there were a couple i, I did like the the one with the gin and the whole baby that was kind of cool that one was I my favorite one. one uh one of the ones with actual like practical effects that i found effective um there wasn't really a lot of cgi in this movie in general which i did appreciate it was a lot of practical effects which was nice obviously it had different teams working on each film so it was kind of noticeable when some of the, the practical effects were worse Oh, yeah. you know than in, than in other segments but you know let's let's talk real quick about how it performed as an actual anthology film because i thought the intro and how it was presented as an anthology actually worked pretty well it reminded me of like the abcs of death mm-hmm. yeah like even the transitions and everything yeah you had like the book style exactly thing, you know this you know, it's uh the title of our episode so that's often how these are presented as these like stories that you might read out of a book usually influenced or actually inspired by some kind of folk tale you know some kind of legend like that these ones definitely had that vibe to them but you didn't really like it too too much so i mean why not i felt like it was way too like experimental for me like i get it sometimes like movies try to be trippy and Mm. metaphorical and everything but like this is where like we're we're discussing like folk tales, like mm-hmm. the monster in the woods that they tell you is going to get you if you wander off outside. Like, and that's what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see just a bunch of trippy bullshit. And mm-hmm. that's really what we got with this movie. Uh, that's why the gin segment, the Turkish one was like really the only one I actually liked. What were the other ones? Do you remember? Because yeah, there was, um, let me talk shit about all of them one by one, just th- real quick. This one I actually liked. You might not like it too much, but the black and white one, the Indian one, with uh with those deformed oh, with, people yes okay that one too that one was good yeah i didn't like the one with the two brothers who are shoemakers yeah some people actually really liked that one i wasn't a huge fan 
Um, the, the production design was okay. Like the set design and everything costuming was cool, but, uh, the story just felt kind of whatever to me. And we didn't really see horror until the end. Yeah. You know, which it doesn't always have to be. I, I still think that there was kind of a, a moral to that story. I just wasn't sucked into that story as much as I was a few of the other ones. Uh, there was also the, the German one with the rat thing. That was a, a bad example of CGI, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, that, that rat was horrible. Yeah, there, there was a Polish one as well, directed by Agnieszka Smoczynska, who did The Lure, which was kind of like a musical horror film. It was interesting. This one, um, I kind of felt it was average. Like, I didn't completely understand what happened in it, especially at the end, but it was all right. It was okay. Uh, I think that was the one that had to be more trippy, because just a crazy dude eating hearts and there's mm. this demon that's yeah, about it basically so um that mostly covers pretty much all of the the stories and our sort of initial reactions to them overall is this one chopped for you yeah it's chopped and why nothing really happened in the stories that really had me invested you know how many times i had to rewind this because i kept looking at my phone because that's of fair. how uninterested i was <laughs> it took me two days to watch this movie I watched half of it and I was like, all right, fuck this. I need a break from this shit. And the next day I watched it. I had to like, I had parts, like I said, where I just kept rewinding. Cause like, I just wasn't invested in it. Like I, I just felt like it could have been done way better. That's fair. Yeah. I think, I think they could have punched up at least a few more of the segments, not kept them all the like almost exact same sort of vibe or tone, but yeah, for me, honestly, I'm going to say this. If you're into this type of folk horror, experimental horror stuff like The Witch, and you just want to see that, you know, for like an hour, almost approaching two hours, I think, then this one isn't chopped. I'm going to say it's not chopped just because I think there are some merits. Some A lot of the cinematography and the practical effects and the score and everything are actually pretty good, but where it loses itself sometimes is just in the substance yeah of the stories and and yeah just the entertainment factor i would say so that that's our uh take on the field guide to evil on hulu right now and that's going to wrap it up here for episode 73 guys so if you have any thoughts about anything or just want to discuss pretty much anything in horror with us you can hit us up on our social media we have a facebook and instagram where you can reach us at grave discussions and a twitter where we are grave disc srd you can also check out all of our stuff on our website, gravediscussions.net. And make sure to tune in next week where we play dodgeball for charity here on Grave Discussions. I'm so <laughs> I'm so disappointed that I, I don't even want to do the growly voice. <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys next week. This has been an SRD production.